Thanks for joining us today at Springwell Church, where we want to draw spiritually thirsty people to Jesus by loving God, loving each other, and loving the world. We hope that today's message builds you up, gives you a little insight, and helps you find a brand new perspective. You can find us in Taylor, South Carolina, and online at springwell.org. That's springwell.org. Now let's jump into the message. Man, what, a, what an incredible worship set. Um, I hope it blessed you the way it's blessed me. Uh, I had a couple of really bad weeks, and, and uh, so the worship set t- today just kind of was a climax for me to bring me to a point where I think it took me a while to kind of work to a place where I could get back to. That make, I don't know if that makes any sense, but uh, one of the things I love about being a pastor of the church is I can just be honest. I can be honest about my own walk with the Lord, and, and it's not, you know, mountaintops all the time. Sometimes it's below the valley. Hello. Um, but that we still hang in there and we still try to do what we do. You know what I'm talking about? And so we have uh, Dylan, he's homesick, which y'all don't know, and this is, it makes this whole thing even more amazing. So Dylan, he's homesick. He was supposed to be on stage this morning. Our drummer uh, this morning found out he's sick. He couldn't be here this morning. And so literally the drummer that was on the stage, Adam, he showed up literally after we did our little run through, after we did our practice this morning. And uh, Jonathan was making me feel better. He says, well, he, I think he knows a couple of those songs. <laughs> I said, what? <laughs> so y- y'all need to know that from time to time. Because what you need to see is you have people that are on this stage that are not here to do the show. But they're here uh, for a purpose and for a reason. And I just think it's awesome. And so for me, I'm just so incredibly grateful. And thankful that what Dylan does in putting together sets is that he brings music that has a message and that that's the content. It's not to be cool. It's not just to, you know, have a big band and have a sound. It's, it, but it's to bring a message. And so you've already heard a message this morning. I believe that just through the music alone. So I just want to say thank you to an incredible team. <clears throat> so we're in a message series called Habits. And so I just want to kick off today by asking you to think about your last normal day. I say your last normal day, I mean, Saturdays, I don't know, maybe, maybe Saturday is a normal day and you do the same normal things on Saturday that most of the time that you do on Saturday. However, I want you to really think about your work week. And so think about your last normal day. So how did that go? Chances are your last normal day was pretty much like the day before that and the day before that and the day before that and the day before that. Pretty much true. So if your alarm woke you up that day, your, pro- your alarm probably wakes you up every day. Unless you're like me, and I don't know why I have this eternal, internal, it might be eternal, I don't know, uh, alarm clock inside of me. And so I just, I can literally tell myself whatever time at night, I need to be up at 4.30 in the morning, and it's crazy. I just wake up at 4.30, it's, it's crazy. So if you're like that, probably, then you don't ever need an alarm clock. You didn't need the one the day before that or the day before that. Does that make sense? You probably, you know, got up and went to the bathroom. Why are y'all looking at me like that? Am I the only one that first thing in the morning when I get up, I need to go to the bathroom? Hello, am I the only one? I do that five times during the night, so you wouldn't think I would need to do that first time? (laughs) If you're old, an old man, you get that. If you're young, you go, what? What is that? Yeah, so you probably, you know, did the same thing. Maybe you went to the bathroom or maybe you went to the fridge. That's my second thing. (laughs) And then I have to take Maggie out and then I come back in. Maybe you pick up your phone. Maybe that's what you do. Maybe the first thing you do in the morning is you pick up, you grab your telephone. Because let's face it, you're an addict. 
You're addicted to that thing. Okay, it's not even the message. I just thought I'd throw that out there for free. You happy? <laughs> or maybe, maybe you know what? You fix yourself a cup of coffee and you're really spiritual and you sit down and read the Bible. Maybe, maybe that's how it goes. Maybe you do a little workout and then perhaps, you know, make a protein shake or fix your breakfast. Um, you know, probably you drove to work the same way that you drive to work every single day, right? And then when you get off, you probably drive home the same way every single day. It's, it's kind of a routine. It's kind of a habit. It's what you do. You probably work with the same people, did the same basic things that you do every single day. I'm just saying that chances are it's pretty similar to what you do every day. So, much of your, what you do normally isn't really a result of a conscious choice. It's a habit. It's just a daily habit. In fact, I read that Duke University did a study in 2006, and they found that 40%, I thought this was awesome, 40% of the actions that you take in any given day are not a result of decisions. It's a result of habits. And so that's why if you want to change your life, if you, if you made a decision this year, I want this year to be different than last year. If you made a decision, I just want tomorrow to be different than today, then you've probably already realized that I've got to change the direction I'm going in. And the only way that I can change the direction that I'm going in is I've got to change my habits. My habits have got to be different. I read a book uh, over my break uh, last year that was uh, called uh, Atomic Habits by a guy by the name of James Clear. In fact, I had all four books. In fact, I, I've already messed this up. But guys, if you want to put those four books up, that's cool. You can do that right now. These are these four books that I read over the, uh, over the break. And so I just want to put these up. You're not going to get a chance probably to copy those down or write them down. But Jonathan promised me this week that we would do what, whatever it is that we do. And we'd put them out there and make them available for you. And I don't know what that is, but... Check with Jonathan. And for those of you that are really sharp, savvy tack people, just do what you normally do, and those books will be there. So anyway, old James Clear. Well, old James, here's what he said. I love this quote. He said, goals don't determine success. Goals don't, and you want to disagree with that when you first read it. I did. I wanted to argue. I want to say, that's not true. I'm a goal setter. You got to have goals. Goals don't determine success. Systems determine success. And then it led me to this other quote that, again, when I first read it, I really disagreed with. But then I had to admit, I think that it's absolutely true. And the quote is this, you don't rise to the level of your goals, you fall to the level of your systems. You fall to the level of your systems. I believe that systems are the vehicle. They're the vehicle that gets you to your goals. So this morning I want to talk about some systems. I want to talk about systems from a spiritual perspective because I know that you're here because you want to be close to Jesus. Oh, that was just weak. I know that you want to be close to Jesus. Awesome. And so I'm going to look at how of a powerful example of a guy that we actually talked about in week one who had a system, he had a habit that really, it made him who he was. I disagree with what I just wrote, what I wrote weeks ago. To become the person that God wanted him to be, that sounds so preachy. It, it, it developed him into who he was. 
The man that he was, the man that he was at work, the man that he was at home, didn't matter where he was, he was this person and that was, he became that person all because he had a system. We looked at him week one, but we're going to go into a little bit more detail today. So his name is Daniel. That's not Russ Daniel. Russ Daniel's one of our elders. He's usually at the first service. He was this morning. Russ is old, but he's not Old Testament old. So most people that were raised in the church, even if you weren't raised in the church, there's a couple of characters that you, you know, usually, even if you don't go to church, you've never been to church, you kind of heard of. You know, David, David and Goliath, you kind of hear some of those stories. And Daniel is one of those guys because Daniel is the guy, super impressive, who had the kind of, of faith that he could stand down lines in a lion's den and survive. That's pretty awesome, right? But actually, I think there's something more impressive. It is to me as a leader. And maybe it's just because I do what I do. At least other people have called me a leader. And so what's more impressive to me is that there were 120 young leaders who stood out in this nation. Now, again, sometimes you come to church, we talk about people in the Bible, and so you look at that in the context of church, right? You look at it in the context of church. I want you to think in terms of you in the real world, in the workplace, every day where you are. So what I want you to do is I want you to think for a minute, this guy, think about America, think about our great nation, and think that there were 120 great leaders. And you would think, wow, that's awesome. He was, a one, he was one of those 120 top leaders, but I want you to know that he stood out amongst all of them as having these exceptional qualities. Daniel 6 says it like this. Darius the Mede decided to divide the kingdom into 120 provinces. And he appointed a high officer to rule over each province. The king also chose Daniel and two others as administrators. I told you. And this is in the secular world, just so you know. It's not like down at the local church, down at the local synagogue. He said, wow, like you're really cool. I'm going to put you over the preaching. That's not, this is not it. This, this is a national thing. And the king chose Daniel and two others as administrators to supervise the high officers and protect the king's interest. Daniel soon proved himself more capable than the other of the 120. You got that? So you're like, it would be like, wow, I'm one of the 120 in America, in our country, like one of the 120 of the top leaders. And then what it says is, of all of those guys, he was the cream of the crop, even among those that were the cream of the crop. Because of Daniel's great ability, the, the king made plans to place him over the entire empire. So what, what made him stand out in the secular world? Not in the churchy world. In the secular world, what made him stand out? I would say that his faith shaped his character. Hang on to that just for a second. Think about it. Let it sink in. His faith Okay, we're in church. That's a fancy way of saying his relationship with God had such an impact on him that it shaped who he was. It shaped his, it shaped his character. And his character was so attractive to the people who didn't even believe in his God that they went, wow, I don't even believe in the God that you serve. i got to be honest. I don't believe all of that, and I've had the good experience over the years because we do what we do, and we reach people that don't believe in God at all. 
and all the eight different atheists that we have seen come to know Jesus over the years. One guy in particular, you hear me tell his story every now and again. He'll show up to church. He's a great encourager. He'll tell me what a great job I did. I was obviously it's not good enough. I ain't got you to cross over the faith line yet, you know. He'll say, man, you're awesome. He says, you know what? I don't even believe in the God that you serve, but I do believe in the things that you teach. Wow. I just think that's awesome. So he may not have believed in the God, but the king was so impressed with his character, his work ethic, his trustworthiness. He said, that, I don't know if I believe in the God that you serve, but I want you, I want you to be at the top of the list. I want you to serve and to be in leadership over my entire kingdom. Because here's the thing, of all the people that we have that are really sharp, that are really smart, you are exceptional. But not everybody was impressed. And that's the way it is, right? So this year, maybe you set some, you had some of those New Year's resolutions. Maybe it was to lose a few pounds. You lost a few pounds. You're looking, you're looking back over the last month and you're thinking, I'm looking pretty good. Like I've dropped 10 pounds, I've dropped 15 pounds, whatever it might be. And you've got some friends that have said, okay, chubby. I remember, I remember I had lost some weight one time. I was feeling so good about myself. And I saw somebody and the guy said, well, you know, I can, you're fat, but you have like that hard fat. I said, what? <laughs> is that a compliment? Like, is that, I got hard fat? I don't even know what that means. So people, when you start to rise, when you find some success in an area, not everybody's going to like it. So they started to look for any kind of weakness, any kind of flaw in his character. Problem is they couldn't find anything. Verse 4 says it like this. Then the other administrators and high officials began searching for some fault, some kind of fault in the way Daniel, and I love this, I underlined it in my notes, in the way that Daniel was handling government affairs. Didn't say church affairs. He was such a godly man. So when he walked down the streets, people was, oh, Daniel, what can we do to be like you? Now, listen, this, this was a guy that was so impressive in the way that he was handling government affairs. Could you imagine what it would be like if we had somebody like that in Washington? I just threw that in free, didn't cost you anything extra. But they couldn't find anything to criticize or condemn. He was faithful, always responsible, and completely trustworthy. So they concluded, shoot, what are we going to do? And so they concluded, the only thing that we can do is we got to trip him up with his faith. We got somehow, we got to be able to trip him up in his relationship with God. He said, our only chance of finding grounds for accusing Daniel will be his connection with the rules of his religion. So they couldn't find any flaw, any weakness, so they determined the only way that they, can, that they can mess him up is with his connection. I use that word on purpose. With his connection with God, in his relationship with God. So they tricked the king into issuing a decree, a decree that said if anybody prays to anyone except the king. Now, you've got to be pretty arrogant as a king, wouldn't you think? And I went back and made sure, I, I read this several times, got out some commentaries, and literally, you would think, well, what he meant was that anybody would pray to anyone except the king's God. It's not what it says. 
Did anyone pray to anyone except the king, and they would be thrown into the lion's den, and Daniel stood firm, and he refused to worship another god. And he threw him in the lion's den, right? So that's, if you wanted to know why, you know, from week one, why did they throw him in there to start with? That's it. Because he took a stand. He said, no, that's not what I'm going to do. So what was it that made him who he was? I would argue that it was a system. I would argue that it was actually a very small habit that he established very early in his life. And over time, this little bitty habit that he had, it shaped his identity. It, it created character. It made him the man that he had become. The kind of man that the king said, you know what, I don't believe in your God, but dude, I want you in charge of my empire. It was the kind of man when other people looked at him and said, wow, I don't, I don't really believe in your God, but I do know this. There's something about you that's different. It's amazing. Daniel 6 says this, but when Daniel learned that the law had been signed, and I underlined, I underlined this next word, he went home and knelt down as what? Come on, man, that's weird, isn't it? Now, wait a minute. There's been a, so there's been a decree that's already been made. You can't pray to anybody except the king. And so what does he do? It's like, well, I'm just going to do what I, I'm, it's my habit. I mean, I do it every day. I do it three times a day. In fact, that's what it says. He prayed three times a day just as he has always done, giving thanks to his God. So he just did what he had always done every single day. It was a habit. He just stopped and prayed. So every single day, this is so critical, he listened to God. Every single day. Every single day he listened to God. I think this is more important. This is a part of the worship set this morning. This is a part of Aaron's story that, that it's not just that we go to God in prayer and give him a list of wants, but that we can go to God in prayer and we can just unburden and unload ourselves to God. Hey, this is what's cool. Sometimes, and you, if you don't think this is in the Bible, you should just read some of the super saints in the Bible who at times said, God, really? Like, what are you up to? And the fact, there were, there were times in the Bible when, when some of God's prophets would say, I gotta be honest, I don't like what you're doing. Like, you didn't ask me, you didn't consult me, you didn't say, hey, how do you think we should handle this? Because if you had, I certainly wouldn't have gone down this road. So Daniel had the habit of, it was easy for him every day to just go to God in prayer, unload himself of these burdens, listen to God, and let God direct his paths. He did it every day, three times a day. He formed a habit. And I want to make sure I say this, and I almost changed the words, but I couldn't. He lived a system. One little thing, one little bitty, teeny thing, one small discipline. So are you impressed? Probably not, because we tend to underestimate the small things. We think it's got to be bigger than that. It doesn't. I've learned over the years that nobody just stumbles into intimacy with God. If you see somebody 
And maybe you've never had a conversation with them. But if you see somebody and you go, you know what? You can just tell that they have a relationship with God. I mean, you, like, you can just tell they've got one. I don't have to ask. I don't have to push. You can tell how they live their lives. I mean, it's like Daniel. They're different. They walk different. They talk different. Then there's a couple things I can promise you. I can promise you they've experienced a lot of pain. A lot of pain. Not a little bit of pain. They've experienced a lot of pain. And I can tell you that they didn't just accidentally become full of spiritual strength, power, and faith. It doesn't happen. So years ago, in fact, it was so many years ago, I don't even remember exactly when. But I started tithing. Now, I, I remember when. I can't remember when, but I remember why. And I'll tell you why. Because I watched my, my mama every single day, every single Sunday. I watched my mama get up. After she was ready, she'd take her Bible she would take her checkbook and she would put it on her Bible and she would sit down and she would write the check to the church. It used to just tick me off. I'd say, Mama, we can't pay the bills. We're struggling financially and you, you've given the church money. My mama, in the last, at least I know, at least the last 20 plus years, probably 25 years of her life, she lived on just a little over $700 a month. Now, there ain't no hair on that story. You think about that. Process that. Go ahead. She lived on a little over $700 a month. So i got to be honest with you. When I started doing the Jesus thing, I thought, I don't know if I understand it. I don't know if I really have agreed with it. But I'm telling you what, I watched my mama, I watched her faithfully give, and all I know is, is that God always took care of us. Sometimes it was the bottom of the ninth. Who are we kidding? Sometimes we were on the way home from the ball game. The ball game looked like it was over and we struck out. But God would show up and, meet her, and he would meet our needs. And so I just said, you know what? I'm just going to apply this principle. I don't even understand it. I don't know if I like it. Carrie and I first got married, we said, we determined together. We said, it doesn't matter what happens. Now, if we had realized how bad things were going to get, <laughs> we might have said, Lord, we're going to leave just a little loophole. But we didn't. And we said, God, every, every single, we're just going gonna to be tithers. We're going to be faithful givers. And there were some tough times. You have no idea what we've been through. <clears throat> but I can promise you this, and Karen will testify, God never let us down. Not ever, ever, ever did he let us down. He's always met our needs. Because we established this habit that we believed in that was based on truth. I decided years ago, and I was careful how I worded this, in my notes, I decided years ago that I needed, not, not wanted, that I needed God's word in my life. I needed his word in my life. Now, I was kind of raised, it, it was kind of like getting brownie points with Jesus at the end of the day. You know what I'm saying? I don't know if y'all went to that church, but if you ever went to Sunday school and you got the little thing, a little, little uh, envelope, and you marked Bible read, like you could check yours and say, there you go. Like, Jesus, I get something. Don't I get a free lunch or something? Because I, I read my Bible every day, you know, I prayed every day, I gave. I realized I needed, I needed his word in my life every single day. Do I miss some days? Of course I do. I'm just like you. I'm no different than you. But I'm 
so serious about reading the Bible that I have an elder that keeps me accountable to read it every day. And when I say read it daily, I don't, I don't mean that I read it to find something to talk about on Sunday. That's not what I'm talking about. And there's not a single message that I preach that I haven't lived and I don't apply to my own life. But here's what, listen, here's what I figured out in my life. God, I need to sit down every day with a blank slate. I'm not looking for anything. I'm not doing research to try to, to exegete this particular passage of Scripture that I'm going to talk about in a few weeks. No, no, no. I'm talking, I need to sit down every day with a blank slate and say, God, whatever you want to say today, just say it. And, so, and sometimes, God, you're going to pat me on the back and you're going to tell me you love me and everything's going to be okay. And some days you're going to kick my behind. And it's going to hurt. I ain't going to like it. But you know what, God? I need that. I need it in my life. It's a habit that I started many, many, many years ago, and I have someone who literally holds me accountable to it. I've had some serious insecurity issues over the years. That's not the kind of thing that a pastor should share with his people on a Sunday morning, but it's the truth. I don't know what you think you see on a Sunday morning, but, man, over the years I've been a basket case most Sundays. Scared to death to get up here and talk. I'm really not a public speaking kind of person. In fact, I wouldn't sit on the front row if it weren't for my wife. I'd be back there with you back row people. Yay. <laughs> and to be quite honest with you, I wouldn't get here early. I'd probably show up late, slip in the back, sit on the back row. So I decided years ago that I had to replace the lies with the truth of God's word. So, I don't know, it's been so many years ago, and I'll be honest with you, I don't even remember how many years ago, but I, I, I developed this list of I am statements. And this is not going to be on the screen. I, I didn't plan on doing this, but some days I just need to look at, it's very simple, I am a child of God. You don't think that's a big deal, it's a big deal to me. Some days I don't feel worthy to be a child of God. Some days I feel like my life's a mess. My attitude stinks. I wonder how somebody like me can even be, think they're even saved, much less do what I do. And So then I read this verse of Scripture, Galatians 3.26, for you're all children of God through faith in Christ Jesus. Why do I read that? Because it reminds me of why I'm a child of God. It's not based on me. It's not based on my goodness. It's, it's based on God. It's based on His goodness. I'm alive. Sometimes I don't feel spiritually alive, so I read Romans 6, 11. So you should also consider yourselves to be dead to the power of sin and alive to God through Jesus Christ our Lord. Hello, y'all out there? Y'all with me? Some, some days I have to read this because I would never say this about myself. I would struggle. Even though I know it's to be a spiritual truth, I probably wouldn't tell you this about myself. But I am a masterpiece. I'm a masterpiece. Now, I forget that. I don't see myself as a masterpiece. I, I, I would never listen to me preach. I can't believe y'all come show up every week. Doesn't you hear me? <laughs> Honestly, there's other churches in town. Those guys are a lot better. I don't know why y'all show up. It's, all, it, it's crazy to me. So I read this verse, Ephesians 2.10, for, for we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do the, thing, the good things he planned for us long ago. I, the next, I am chosen. I have to, I have to read that. I, I need that. I'm determined to love God and the people 
that God loves with everything I have. I have to read these statements. Am I making any sense? I, I don't just want, I need God's Word. I need it in my life. I have to have it. Or I wonder. One of our elders made me this bracelet. I got about five. Because I want to coordinate with my, I have my brown shoes. I got my, it's a big deal. The Holy Spirit don't lead you to clash. So anyway, I'm sorry. I, I don't know why I said that. Um, so it's the word to telestai. And you've heard me say this. It's the last word Jesus spoke on the cross. Why is that so important to me? Because I have to be reminded. And this is what God whispers in my ear. He says, son, every time you are, con- every time you get overwhelmed with your junk, Every time that Satan reminds you that you're a sinner, you need to go back and realize that on the cross, when I paid the price for your sin, I said, it's finished. And the day that you accepted me as your Savior, I forgive you of all your past, all your present, all your future sins. It's done. You're finished. I I need God's Word in my life. I still got some stinking thinking. I mean, I'm working on it. I'm better than I used to be, but I still got some stinking thinking. So I declare spiritual truth, and sometimes I say it out loud. I know I sound like one of them Pentecostals, but I'm telling you, I have to say it out loud. I have to look in the mirror and say, you're a masterpiece. You are a child. You are forgiven. You are chosen by God. I need that truth in my life. I made it a habit years ago to get up early and pray first thing in the morning. Please don't hear me. I'm not being critical of those of you that pray last thing at night. But I'll be honest with you, I tried that. I go to sleep on God every single time. I wake up in the morning and go, oops. I think I said Heavenly Father, and that's about all I got. I don't know what else I said. I'm just saying it doesn't work for me. So I get up early in the morning, and I have a prayer list. I have a prayer list because I'm a little ADD. Okay, I'm a lot ADD. That's why I have notes, because they didn't tell them where I'd go. But I get up every morning with my prayer list, because it helps me stay focused. I got other categories in my, in my life as well, like health and fitness. I, I have a system for eating and exercise. You know why? Because I tried to do it on my own, and I failed. I, I just couldn't get it right, and so I got a big, strong bodybuilding woman that Threatens me. I wish I could say that was a joke. Sometimes she'll just... (laughs) Mark, you're out there, aren't you? She's chewed your behind. Couple of times. I'm just saying, yeah. I couldn't do it on my own, and so I had to reach out for somebody else that could help me. And to say, I need a system, but I don't know how to do this on my own. you got to help me. Help me with exercise. Help me to know how long I do what and when do I do it. Help, help me to know how much I eat. I'm not stupid. I know that I shouldn't eat sugar and Krispy Kreme every day. That's probably not a healthy breakfast. And I know, but I, don't, I just don't know how much. I don't know the quantities. She's helped me. Never underestimate how God might start something really, really big and something really special through something very small. One act of obedience. So I'm asking you this question. So where where do you need to start? What, What one habit? From a spiritual perspective, 
What one habit do you need to establish in your life? What system do you need that will take you where God wants you to take you? Some of you are going to say, I can hear you. I've been doing this a long time. I don't do systems. I'm not one of them organized people. I don't do systems. Yeah, you do. You absolutely do. You either do it by intent or you do it by default, but you have a system. Your system might be every single morning to hit that alarm snooze four times before you get up. You know it's coming. Everybody in the house knows it's coming. People are irritated with you. Why don't you just get up? You hit it four times. So then you get up late, right? You're a little bit irritable. You kick the dog, yell at the kids. You grab your breakfast. On the way out the door, you spill your coffee, and you say things that aren't becoming a Christian. You burn yourself. You get in the car. You drive like a crazy person on the way to work. You run in 5, 10, 15 minutes late. You're ill and grumpy all single day. You come home, kick the same dog. I mean, the dog sees you coming and goes, you yell at the kids, you go to bed, and you know what the last thought of yourself is? You're overwhelmed with guilt and shame because you can't believe that you acted the way they do. See, you have a system. It may not be a good one, but it's a system. In the different books that I read on habits, they all seem to talk about, uh, to some degree or other, different formats that form the habit loop. And so last week, if you weren't here, I talked about the trigger that leads to an action that then leads you to a reward. So there's a reward in the end, right? And so if you eat those Krispy Kreme donuts, you see the Krispy Kreme donut, you smell, you see the hot now sign on. The Holy Spirit's causing you, drawing you. You feel the car going that direction. And then you eat that donut and you get that sugar high. Woo! You can't even see to drive. You could get pulled over for a DWI. There is the, there's the trigger that leads to the action that gets you the reward. That's how habits are formed. So how do we start a new habit? Because what good would the message have been today if I didn't tell you? How, so how do you start? Okay, I, want, I want to grow spiritually. I do. I want to develop a relationship with God, but I don't know how to do it. I'm going to help you. I'm going to help you. We want the trigger and the action to be two things. We want the trigger to be obvious and we want the action to be easy. Make the trigger obvious. So if your thing is you want to read the Bible every night before you go to bed, let me tell you what you need to do. In the morning, after you make the bed, or let's say you don't make the bed, whatever the case might be, when you get out of it and you know you're done, take the Bible, lay it on your pillow, and at night, when you come in, when everything else is done, when you go back into the bedroom, there's the Bible. It's going to be the trigger. You're going to say, wow, I'm so grateful I did that. I'm a genius. I would have forgot if my Bible hadn't have been on the pillow, right? Or one of the things I do, I'm a big U version fan. And so guess, just so you know, when, when, I, when I want God to speak to me, sometimes I love to do that through devotions, and so I go to version. Here's what you can do. There's probably hundreds, if not thousands, of different Bible plans for you. They're devotions. You can read through the Bible in a single year if that's what you want to do. Or you can pick a three-day 
devotion. Or you can pick a seven-day devotion, all these, a 30-day devotion, all these different devotions. And then guess what you can do? You can actually set up that app so that it will send you a reminder every morning, and you determine the time. So if you want that time to be 5.30 or 6 p.m., if you want it to be that, then you set the time, and it sends you a reminder. Make it obvious, and then make it easy. You don't have to say, I'm going to read at least one book of the Bible every night and I'm going to start with the book of Deuteronomy. <laughs> don't, don't do that. So I'm, I'm going to read Leviticus. Bless your heart. <laughs> do it in the morning. If you do it at night, it's going to, be, it's going to put you right to sleep. I'm just saying. It's, oh, you can't, I can't believe you said that about God's Word. Have you read the book of Leviticus? <laughs> start with something that's simple. Maybe you say, I'm just going to read one single verse every day. One verse. I'm just going to read one verse every day. Just one. And I'm going to read about that verse, and I'm going to think about that verse. Here's what's going to happen to you. You're going to read about that verse. It's going to be sweet. It's going to mean something to you. But then you're going to say, hmm, I wonder what that verse means. And so then you might even do something really crazy, and you might start to Google it. And you say, okay, Google, what does this verse mean? And then you're going to get 10 different people that tell you 10 different things, and then you're going to have to dig. Are you with me? Some of you might say, I want to get up really early like Pastor Scott <laughs> and pray for an hour. Nobody here is probably that crazy. Let's just be honest. It ain't going to happen. To, nobody's going to get up 4.30 with me. Oh, hey, guess what? Okay, I got a couple people. And, and, and we can actually text each other. <laughs> We're the only weird people in the whole world. It's up. I mean, we know it, you know. But, but what if you said, what if you picked a time, any time during the day? What if it's lunch? And you said, you know what, here's what I'm going to do. At lunch, I'm going to take my version. I'm telling you, it's not going to take you 10 minutes. It's not going to take you 10 minutes to do a devotion. 10 minutes. And then you said, you know what, and then I'm going to pray for five. I can't pray for an hour. I'm not like Pastor Scott. If you saw my prayer list, I'm telling you, it's, it's long. So I'm, it, am I that spiritual? No. It's just I got so much to pray for. And I'm so ADD that it keeps me focused. Make it easy. And then find somebody to hold you accountable. Find you somebody to say, all right, how you doing? Does that make sense? Let me see what my morning routine looks like. I wake up 4.30, I put ish. I overslept till like 7 o'clock one day. I thought, I'm going straight to hell. Sure as God made the world. God, what have you done without me? <laughs> For the last two and a half hours. He said, it's all good. It's all good. I get up 4.30-ish. Generally go to the bathroom. Take Maggie out. And then I've already had my coffee set. So I know I have a cup of coffee and it's ready. And I give me a cup of coffee and I grab my iPad. I pull up my prayer list and I start to pray. And then when I'm done praying, which takes me a while, then I read a devotion. And I say, God, just speak. I don't care what you say. I'm your kid. I'm your child. I know you love me. And maybe today you're going to pat me on the back and tell me how proud you are of me but maybe, maybe today you need to kick my rear in about some things and I just want you to know whatever you want to do and then I head to the gym 
Sometimes I eat before I go. It depends on how things are running. Sometimes I eat when I get home. I take a shower and then I'm ready for my day. What I'm trying to tell you is I have a system. I have a routine that aligns my heart with God. Because here's what I figured. I'm no good to anybody. I'm not even good for myself if I'm left alone. So I have to establish this. And I, and I have people in my life to say, okay, how you doing? My elder, he, he's a pest. He'll say, haven't seen anything in the last few days. And I want to text him back. But I asked, I need it. I need that in my life. So what's going to be yours? If you don't like where you are in life, what habits are you going to change? You have to establish a system. You need to make it obvious and you need to make it easy. And find somebody to hold you accountable. There are some of you that are here this morning you need to start a relationship with Jesus. That's what you need to start. The problem is, is that we're sinners, right? You figure that out by now? I'm always amazed. You don't have to beat unchurched people over the head with the Bible and tell them that they're dirty, rotten sinners. They already know. Nobody had to tell me that I was a sinner. And here's the problem. See, the problem is you know you're a sinner and you know that that's the thing that stands between you and God, right? And nobody had to beat you over the head with the Bible to convince you of that. You know that there's this thing. But here's the beautiful part. It's the beautiful part of the story is that God said, but I'm so crazy about you. I want a relationship with you so much that I will take care of the problem. And he did. He sent his son. And Jesus said, I'm going to go to the cross and I'm going to pay the penalty for all that sin in your life, all that junk. You tried to be better, tried to do better, and it never worked. I'm going to take care of it for you. I'm going to do it for you. So Jesus went to the cross as a perfect, spotless sacrifice. He never sinned, but he became sin. He gave his life on the cross. And when he stretched out his hands and he let them nail three nails through his naked body, in essence, he was saying, I love you this much. And then on the third day, he's not dead, he's alive. That's what you feel right now. You feel the presence of God, the awesome presence of God. And he's whispering in your heart and he's telling you that he loves you. And if you feel that and you're not a follower of Jesus and you say, shoot, I'm ready. What do I do? It's easy. You just confess that you're a sinner. And you say, God, I believe in you. And you don't even have to like pretend that you understand it all or, or, or even have all the pieces in place. You can just say, God, by faith, I, I'm just going to believe. Even though I don't have it figured out. And then a wonderful thing is going to happen. The God, the creator of this universe, is going to step into your life. Just like that. Every head's bowed, every eye's closed, no one's looking around. If you're not a follower of Jesus and you'd like to be, then maybe you'd pray a prayer, just a simple prayer. Something like this. You'd just say, Heavenly Father, I am a sinner. And I know I need forgiveness. So forgive me. Thank you for what you did for me on the cross. I can't explain it. I don't understand it. But I'm grateful. And I know you're alive. I can feel your presence with me right now. And I'm asking you to forgive me of my sin. And I'm just telling you for the rest of my days, I just want to follow you 
I want to figure out what this looks like. Lord, thank you so much. Um, I have the most incredible job, Lord. I get to experience a miracle every week. I get to walk across this stage as a non-public kind of person. And, and I get to sense and feel your presence. And I get to listen, God, when you speak to me, even when I'm standing here and you tell me what to say, when to say it, and how to say it. I get to be a part of a miracle every single week. Lord, I never take that for granted. It's a sweet moment for me. Lord, I pray that what people can see in my life is that the only thing that makes me special is you. That your love is that incredible. At the end of the day, Lord, you're the only thing that matters. So it's so easy to worship you. And it's in your sweet name that we pray.